Well, friends, welcome back to the Live Revised Podcast. I am your host, Christy Browning, and today we're going to be talking about creating the life you love. You know, we can talk all about goals and visions and the things that we want to accomplish in life, but ultimately there is a initial step that has to happen first in order to get us to the life that we really love. And that's deciding what that is. What does that look like for us? And how would you describe a life you love? In this episode today, we're gonna dive into that, specifically breaking this question down into doable chunks that will maybe be an exercise you can follow up with after the episode and spend some time writing about it, journaling about it, thinking about it, and begin pulling out the tools in your toolbox to build the life you love. So stay tuned. Have you ever been disappointed by the hype of something? You know, when you hear someone talking about the latest movie and how great it is and how how amazing the special effects are or the storyline is, and then you go and you see it and you're like, um, what were they thinking? This is not that great. Or you go to a restaurant that everyone's just raving about and making such a big deal about and you go and you think, um, I've had better, you know, sometimes that hype, sometimes that expectation, uh, distorts our expectation or distorts our experience with that thing that everyone's talking about. It can be that way over your latest Netflix binge. It can be that way over relationships. I remember my husband and I wanting to purchase a home and making all the plans and going through all the hassle of buying a house, finally getting here, getting moved in, only to realize that it isn't all it's cracked up to be because when you own a home, you have to do all the things like maintaining and fixing and mowing and landscaping and all the things. And we love it. It it is good. Don't get me wrong. But it was just kind of that part of, oh, this isn't quite what I thought it was going to be. And that's how things are in life, whether it's relationships, you know, it happens with marriage. We have this kind of idealistic concept of what marriage might look like. And then we get into marriage, get home from the honeymoon and can kind of have this reality check of like, oh, that's not quite how I thought it was going to (laughs) look. No offense to my husband. It's every day is a honeymoon with him. So the reality check, right? The the idea of what is real, what is true can sometimes leave us flat, can sometimes make us feel like, uh, really, this is all there is. And I feel like that happens a lot when it comes to this idea of life and like living life to the fullest and having a life you love and hashtag live your best life and all of those little tongue in cheek things that Everyone puts on Instagram, but we know that ain't real life for them, right? Because <laughs> that's a highlight reel. The reality is that sometimes life is hard and it's not always fun. An expectation of having this grown-up amazing lifestyle is not always what you think it's going to be. Did anybody else spend time as a kid just itching at the chance to get out and move out on your own and have your own life? I, I can remember thinking about that even when I was young, like elementary school, middle school, uh, just dreaming about how I would, you know, have my room and have my house and have my things. 
maybe because I shared a room with my sister for a while, I was just anxious to have my own space. Um, I remember being in high school, of course, and anxious to move out. My high school friend, Selena and I, we just knew as soon as we graduated high school, we were going to go live in an apartment together. And we looked at apartments and we bought all the, um, the guides and picked up all the newspaper ads. This was way before the internet. <laughs> and we just knew we were going to move. I remember my parents giving me a reality check on that one real fast. And it didn't happen because <laughs> we had no money and no sense to go try to live out on our own at the time. But expectations and the reality of life sometimes is not what we think. And when we talk about life purpose and we talk about having a life that you love, you know, that's an easy thing to say. I love life. I'm blessed. You know, I'm living my best life. But the reality of what that looks like on a day-to-day -day basis usually isn't quite what we had imagined. And so how do we how do we continue to move forward in this? How do we continue to live this life that we so-called love? Um, and that it's really by design, it's really by intention that we have this life that we really, truly love. I will tell you, it is not by accident. It is not by sheer wanting and wishing that you have a life you love. It is all about that intention and that discipline and that focus. And so I want to give you a couple of tools for your toolbox today. You know, here on the podcast, we talk a lot about creating uh, a toolbox for life and in it is all kinds of tools. You may not need them every day, but they'll be there when you're ready for them. And today is one of those days. We're going to put some tools in your toolbox that maybe you don't need today, but when you come up against that wall or that hard spot, or maybe you find that fork in the road and you're not sure what you should do or where you should go, pull these tools out of your toolbox. They'll be here ready for you to help you kind of get your head in the right space and your heart in line with the right vision to create this life that you really love. I have a grandmother who is 97 years old and uh, she's still alive. She's in a nursing home right now. And I'm imagining we probably won't have her for very much longer. And when she goes, don't get me wrong, we are going to miss her. She is just super special and means the world to me. And she's one of these people in my life that, I mean, I cannot imagine, I cannot imagine having life or doing life without her. She has influenced me in so many ways. But I think about the fact that when she passes away, um, you know, she's the type of person that wouldn't want a big fuss and wouldn't want a big to do. Uh, but there are so many people that have been impacted by her. And if we were to all gather together and, and be able to tell her of her impact, of her significance, of how she's shaped our lives or influenced our lives, she would probably just have none of it. <laughs> she would just be saying, uh, sit down and be quiet. But the reality is like, there's a lot of us, there's a lot of us that she's touched. And, and if I think about her, uh, like as a whole, I think there isn't anything really all that special about what she did. She grew up in a small town, not very wealthy at all. Um, a lot of kids in her family just scraping to get by born right before the depression hit, lived through wars, was a, a wife of a soldier. My grandpa was in the war, um, lived a normal life, worked a job, raised two sons, uh, you know, had some grandkids she enjoyed and lived her life. Like, I mean, that was it. There was nothing special. She didn't write a book. She wasn't a nationwide speaker. She wasn't on TV. She, you know, didn't travel the world. I mean, she just lived a life, but I think about her 
And I think about the fact that she would tell you that she loved her life. Her life was hard. It was hard. Being a depression kid, hard. She was, uh, she would tell you that she was one of many kids that when she was born, she felt like she was somewhat of a burden, uh, cause it was one more mouth to feed in her house. And it was not always a fun time there. Um, she had hard parents that, you know, maybe didn't always give her all the things, right. Cause at that age and time, who did that? <laughs> they played with sticks, you know, uh, she grew up and got married and in being married early on her husband went off to be in the war with questions as to if he would return if he would be safe if they would actually get to have a life together um she had her sons somewhat later in life uh she worked in a in a bank which was unconventional at the time so i can imagine that that wasn't always easy uh, my dad was sick as a kid so she had that challenge and when I met her um, shortly after I was born, I remember like at seven or eight years old, uh, starting to notice that something wasn't quite right with my grandfather. And he was shortly then diagnosed with Alzheimer's and she took care of him. And so that was hard. She was his caretaker for a long time. And when she couldn't take care of him anymore, uh, she had to put him in a nursing home. She would go to the nursing home every day and see him. And while she could have went off and done a lot of things, um, cause she was healthy and able, she chose to spend those days beside his bed. And that was hard, obviously getting the, you know, getting to say goodbye or having to say goodbye to the man that you love, um, and watch him deteriorate like that hard, hard stuff. She herself is now faced with some health challenges and you know, that's hard stuff just wasn't a glamorous life, but she would tell you it was a life she loved. And it was really from her that I learned the beauty of life in the fact that even among the hard stuff, there's beauty, there's things to be thankful for, there's things to be grateful for, there's blessings in sight. Uh, she could find the magic in anything. I remember going back to her small town just a couple of years ago to see her in the nursing home in the town. When we were growing up as kids, me and my sister and brother, and we made the trip over to her little town uh, to spend time with her. It was like a, a magical trip. I mean, it was fun. We could go play in the woods. She had a beautiful yard that we all played in. We'd walk, we'd go down to the lake, we'd fish, catch frogs. Just, I mean, it was a magical place for a kid. But going back there as an adult, of course, the town has changed and, you know, things, things change and evolve. And I just remember it not feeling magical when we were there a couple of years ago. And I was talking to my, my sister and brother about it and they were agreeing that, yeah, the times that they had visited in recent years, it just wasn't the same. And I laughed and I said, you know, I don't know that anything was special about the town. But I think it was that it was my grandmother that made it magical. She's the one that found the fun and the magic and all the good stuff in life. She's the one that brought it out. She's the one that would make, uh, you know, raking up pine needles and doing yard work fun and magical and exciting because we would uncover nature and, and science and God's beauty and his ability to create an earth. I mean, she just found the, the stuff and all of the everyday things. She made it special. And so I've learned a lot from her in that. I can't say that I'm as good as she is uh, because I probably 
pitch a few more fits than she ever would do. But I did learn a little bit about creating a life you love. And it really starts with the first word, creating. Because the fact of the matter is, is that if she would have just accidentally stumbled through life, it may not have been so much of a love affair. Because her intention of finding the good, finding the love, finding the beauty, it was that intention that made it happen. And so when we talk about creating a life we love, we first have to understand and really buy into the fact that it is a creation. It doesn't happen by accident. It, we don't just stumble into it. We have to work at it. We have to craft it. A life you love has to be honed and shaped. And we have to whittle away the bad memories and the hard times to where they don't make us hard or calloused or rough around the edges. We have to maybe sand down and smooth over the parts in life that cause us tears that leave us wounded. We have to find the beauty and the natural grain of the things we've experienced and the way life has shaped us and shifted us in one direction or the other. It's a creation. It's a craft. And if we can put our heads in that space and recognize that creating a life we love is not by snapping our fingers or just wishing and praying or hoping that things just come together, it's an effort but it is an effort that's worth it. And it is an effort that comes with some tools. So let's talk about some specific steps that helps you craft and create that life that you love. Well, it might be a comfort to you to know that to do the work of creating a life you love, you really just need a couple of things. You need some pen and paper to write some things down in a quiet space and time to really think. Now, the latter may be the thing that's the hardest to come by. (laughs) If your life and house is like mine, sometimes finding a quiet space to really think and uh, sit with yourself can be challenging. But whatever it takes, I encourage you to find that, carve that out and create a comfortable, quiet space for you to do some thinking, some reflection, some brainstorming. But with some pen and paper, we're going to ask ourselves a couple of questions and it may not be something that in one sitting you can answer fully. It may be something you need to come back to and continue to add to the answer or reform and reshape the answer. So don't feel like this is a timed exam. Take your time with these questions, but allow yourself to really think and to really imagine. Imagination is one of those things that we don't tap into a lot these days But I'm going to ask you to maybe sit someplace that removes you from technology, that takes you away from your phone, that maybe puts you in a creative thought process. So for me, that's kind of sitting outside or at least being in a space where I can see outside. Just something about outside creates grounding and creativity and serenity. It just gets my juices flowing. So maybe that's works for you. Maybe it's sitting in your comfy chair, drinking your favorite drink in the early hours of the morning before the house gets busy. Maybe it's late at night. Doesn't really matter where or when it is. The idea is that we want some space and time to think and to allow ourselves in our minds, in our hearts, a safe place to dream. When was the last time you dreamt? Now I'm talking about like when you went to sleep and you had some crazy dream. I'm talking about dreaming about life 
dreaming about what you want, dreaming about what could be, what if. And I want you to start with this question. What are five to maybe eight categories of life that are most important to you? Now, when I'm coaching a group or when I'm talking about this specific topic at a event or a conference or a workshop, we tend to work around five areas. And the five areas we typically work around are your business and your career. That's one. Your finances is two. Third area is relationships. So that's marriage, relationship with your kiddos, with your family, friends, coworkers, whoever's important people in your life. Then the fourth area would be your physical well-being because we got to take care of our bodies. And then the fifth area would be your spiritual well-being. That's the guts of you, your personal self, the inside man of you, your faith, all the things that are kind of that intangible, intuitive part of you. Now, you can break those out even more and create other categories. It just kind of depends on your life and what you want to segment out. Maybe you decide that you need to create a specific category for free time and fun and recreation. Maybe you need something for personal growth as well as just your spiritual well-being. If you have a heart or see a need to create space or a category for service, giving back, uh, volunteering, then, then put that in the mix. This is really about the areas of life that are most important to you. For me, I have a category for finances because money makes the world go round and it is necessary for us to, to survive. But of those five areas, that's the thing that probably ranks the lowest on the list. <laughs> I'm just not a money person. I don't want to manage it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to earn it. I really am not motivated by it. If I could do everything I do and not have to worry about the money part, I would be a happy girl. But even though it's not super exciting for me, that category, I still know that category is a big part of it. One, because I'm a business owner and we got to make money to keep a business going. But two, it's also just a relevant aspect of life. And you may have some other parts of those. Maybe you want to break relationships down into uh, your family versus your spouse or your kids in another category for your marriage. So what are those categories for you? We'll, we'll have some similarities. Some of your categories will look like mine. You're welcome to use the five I listed off if you want to start there. But when we think about the aspects of life that are important to us, not only are we identifying kind of our values, kind of the things that matter most to us, we're also identifying the pieces of the puzzle that make us whole. Because if you tried to take one of those away, you really can. They all work together to create the picture of you. Each one of those aspects, whether it's five or seven or eight, all of those pieces create the entire picture for you. And if we tried to just dissect one of those out, the picture wouldn't be complete. And most likely the other areas would suffer. I know for me, when I tend to make my business the utmost priority, and that's all I focus on, and all I do is look through the goggles of a, as a business owner, and that's what I run for. The rest of the areas of my life suffer. I usually aren't, you know, I'm usually not taking care of my body. I'm usually not eating the right things or drinking the right things or working the way I should. Uh, I'm usually not taking time for me to invest back into my spirit. My relationship suffers when I don't make time for my family. Maybe the finance part gets better because I'm working harder, maybe making more money, but things kind of get out of balance. 
they kind of get out of whack when I just focus on the one area. So as you create your list of areas, keep in mind that they all work together, that they create an entire picture for you. And in the long run, all of these areas need a little bit of attention. It's true that sometimes in life, one area is going to be bigger than others. If you have a lot of small kids, family is going to look a whole lot different than someone like me who has uh, a stepson who's 18 and will soon be off at college. That's going to look a whole lot different. Not that it's not as, as important. It just looks different. And it may just shift in shape a little bit different based on your area of life. So what are your areas? Write them down. And this will be something that you may revise over time, but you'll kind of start to see that, yep, this is what my makeup is. And this list seems pretty complete. I wouldn't do more than eight. That gets a little overwhelming and you're probably breaking things down just a little too much. I wouldn't do less than five because there's just more to us than that. We're not one dimensional. There's lots of layers here. So we want to give attention to each one of those. So after you've created your list, of your areas, I want you to think about what that means for those areas. So maybe with that, the identification of those areas, you create a little description that says what this is, what does this area mean for you? So if I was to write uh, my area of physical well-being, I could write what that means. It means that I need to hydrate my body, eat the right foods, Actually, I should probably say just eat in general because I have a tendency to not eat and move my body, get some exercise. That's what that means to me. If I didn't define that, it would be really easy for my mindset to fall into the category of physical well-being being a size or a weight or a number when really that's not what it's about for me. If we talk about your personal well-being or spiritual well-being, that could mean a whole lot of things, right? And that could mean something totally different for you than it is for me. So writing out some little descriptions, maybe just a sentence, a couple of words, helps you really stay focused on what goes into that category. When you're thinking of that category, what are you thinking about? What falls into that bucket? Because the next thing we're going to do, after we've identified our sections and we've kind of decided what those sections look like and what they mean, We're going to decide on a scale of one to 10, what your satisfaction level is. Now, no one else needs to see this number. No one else needs to know how you are grading it. But if 10 is the absolute best, nothing could be better. This section of life is just off the charts amazing. And one is, this, this area of life is on life support. It's really struggling. On a scale of one to 10, how would you rank those areas that you wrote down? One to 10. The thing that's important here is to recognize that there's always room for growth. And so if you happen to put a 10 down for one of those areas, it doesn't mean that you never, ever will give any attention to that. It just means that right now where you're at, you feel like that's locked in. This is great. I'm okay with this area. It's where I need to be. But if you select number like uh, seven, you may be identifying that there's uh, just a little bit of work to be done. Something you can do to just make it a little better. If you see that an area is ranking like two or three, holy moly, you might want to do a lot of work here or pay attention to this area before you even run down the path of doing the work. Maybe it's more of just pay attention to the area to decide why is this suffering so much? What am I missing here that's not making this work for me? That scale is your satisfaction. 
the next thing I'm going to ask you to do is on a scale of one to 10 to rank the priority of that section. And what I mean by that is if you scored low on a satisfaction level for, let's say, your physical well-being, but then you also recognize that right now that's just not a space that you can give to it. You're just not focused on that right now. And so the priority of that, your level of intensity and focus is also low, then okay, then that's okay. Maybe this is a season in life that that's just not something you're focused in on. Maybe you're in college right now and you're getting an education and trying to start a career. And so uh, marriage is one of your areas, but it is low on the totem pole and low in the priority bucket because you got other things you're worried about and you're focused on. There's nothing wrong with that. The fact is that this exercise should be something you do at least once a year. And that might seem like a lot to you, but like our life changes and seasons change and life evolves. And if we can take time every year to sit down and, and not write New Year's resolutions, but have a replay of the last year and look to the next year to say, what is my satisfaction level of these areas? Do I have new areas that I need to add to this list? And what is going to be a priority? Is this a season where one thing ranks a lot higher than the other? And if one area ranks really high, but my satisfaction level is really low, then I know the goals I need to be setting. Because what I'm telling myself is that this is an area that's important to me and it's struggling. So I better be creating some goals and doing some work on this area because it's important to me right now. See, the problem with goal setting is that we just kind of like wish in a wishing well when we goal set. We just kind of think about some things that sounds kind of nice, some things that sort of feel like, yeah, that would be kind of cool if that came about. And it isn't things that we love or desire. It's just kind of a, yeah, that would be nice. And we need it to be more than that. Living a life you love is love. It's not just a, yeah, that's nice. It's not a, meh. It's a love. It's intense. It's passion-filled. It's purpose-driven. And and it has to be that way, but it can only shape into that. It can only be that if we recognize what we want most. But if you were to sit down and talk to someone without any uh, preconceived notions, without any other instruction or any other ability, and you just said, hey, what's your goals? A lot of people couldn't even begin to give you an answer. A lot of them would automatically tell you about the next promotion they're working for, or maybe the money they're trying to save or a financial goal they have, but like it wouldn't be a goal that's really shaping a life they love because they never thought about it. And goals just seem sort of like this floaty amoeba, always shaping, always shifting kind of concept that's just never concrete. It's supposed to be, we know it's supposed to be, but we don't really know how to answer the question. Creating these categories and doing this little bit of an assessment is what will help you see the goals that are right for you. It's not about just plucking things off a tree and saying, these are my goals. I've picked my goals. It's about doing some work in your heart, in your mind, in your in your life assessment to say, what is it that I want? And when I'm looking at the things that are important to me, that's why we create those categories first. I've already identified these are the things that make me who I am that shape me and are important to me. And yet I look at it and say, "Ugh, this area needs some work. And it is important to me. 
last year, as we came to the end of the year, I did this life assessment. Uh, and one of the areas is my physical well-being. And I have never been one to be motivated by a scale, by a jean size or a dress size. I just really don't care. To be quite honest with you, I love food way more than I love being a size six. So I don't really care about how, what I look like or the weight I have, or that's just never been a thing for me. But as I get older, I'm starting to recognize that my body doesn't move the way it should. And I feel a little aches and pains and soreness. And I know, I know if I don't start taking care of my body now at 42, 43, come 63, I'm in trouble. And so now's the time. Now's the time to like make it happen. And so for the first time in many, many, many years, that life category assessment, physical well-being, all of a sudden became a high priority. On a scale of one to 10, it ranked at about nine. And then when I looked at the satisfaction level of that, it was about a two because it has just been an area that has been completely not focused for me. And rightfully so. In the past eight years, I've come home from serving time in prison. I went through a divorce. I got remarried. I launched a business. I've moved. I, I, I lost my father-in-law. I became an instant stepmom. I mean, we've been busy <laughs> and we're all busy, but you know, sometimes life just gives you some stuff. That's just all you can handle. And so that becomes the thing you're focused on. And when the dust settles and the fog clears, you realize there's these other things now that need your attention. And that's exactly what it was with my physical well-being. So doing this every year means that you can see how life evolves and you can see where there's things that you need to focus on now or amp up the priority on. And so as 2020 rolled around, that became the focus. Physical well-being becomes the thing I need to, to be locked in on. And I'm not super happy with it right now. So I want to move the needle to where that two becomes like a seven or eight by the end of the year, which brings me to the next step. Once you've created your categories, you've given an assessment to your level of satisfaction, and you've given an assessment to the level of priority. The next thing is to write down, again, we're just working with pen and paper here, to brainstorm some things that would make those areas be better. So the areas that you feel like are ones you want to work on, the ones that need your attention, what would it take to move that number up the scale? What would it take to move your physical well-being from a two to an eight? That was a question I had to answer for myself. What would it be to better your marriage, to better the relationship with your kids? What would it have to look like to change your financial picture, to maybe shift your career, to grow it, evolve it, make it better? What does that even look like for you? What is it going to take for you so that the next time you sit down and do the life assessment question a year from now, the number isn't a two anymore. It's now an eight or nine or a 10 maybe. What would it take to move that number up for you? And this is maybe where you have to spend a little time, more than just a couple of minutes of sitting down and writing this stuff out. Maybe it's something you start, you let some time pass, you come back in a day or two and add to the question. Because you may think more about this. If you've never thought about this before, you may need some time to wrestle kind of with this idea of what would I want here? What would make this be an eight instead of a two? And you're gonna write those things down. Once you've done that, for all of the areas of your life, even the ones that already are nines or tens, maybe for the nines and tens, you're just simply writing the things that already make it a nine and 10. 
the things that you want to maintain that you that you recognize already work in that area. And the ones that need your work, the ones that need your effort, you're going to look at that and say, okay, I just wrote out the goal right there. I identified the thing I need to work on and how I'm going to do it. And if you're doing this life assessment, creating a life you love every year, you already have a time frame. You know what area you're working on, the thing you're going to do, and the timeline in which you're going to do it. Now, this may seem pretty simple and pretty basic. We haven't downloaded any fancy apps, bought any expensive day planners, created any spreadsheets. We haven't done anything high tech at all. It's just been your heart, your head, and some pen and paper. But that's where it has to start. Because all the other tools that are out there are all external. None of them can tap into what you feel, or what you think, or what you want. The trick is, is that you have to know what you think, what you feel, what you want. And that's sometimes the hardest work of this whole conversation. But these exercises can help you to start unearthing what's buried there. The things that you want. The things that you want to see evolve and come to life in your life. And the great news is when you look at it as just a year snapshot, you're not overwhelming your head and your heart with, I need to decide what I'm going to be when I grow up, or I need to know what I want to be and what people will say about me when I'm 80. That's too big thinking for me. That seems so large and daunting and so far out there that I can't really put a lot of shape on that. I can't really put a lot of definition there. But when I start to think about the areas that are important to me, that will make up who I am and what I'm about when I'm 80. And then I start to think about how I feel about those areas, what needs to improve in those areas, and where I want to be a year from now in those areas. Now we're talking. That's something I can put my head around. That's something I can start moving towards. Because after you've created the episodes of the sections, after you've created the... um, the satisfaction level and the priority level, after you've written down, hey, these are the things I want to do to make this section better, the next step is to just do it. It's as simple as that. Is that you every day are looking, either physically looking or remembering what that that list looks like. And you're saying, what am I doing on this list today? How am I going to tackle one of these things to move the needle forward, to move the scale to where this section in life gets better? And it's okay to take small steps. When I started on the physical well-being section for me, uh, I started by drinking a lot of water. And uh, at the beginning of the year, my husband and I were doing the keto diet thing, which was just way too much for me. And I got really, really overwhelmed and really frustrated. And I had to kind of talk myself off the ledge. And in fact, I actually had to call a friend of mine who is a wellness coach and have her talk me off the ledge and remind me that it's okay to just take a step today. And it can be a small step, like getting back to drinking a lot of water and committing to just going to the gym a couple of times a week. Doesn't matter how many calories I burn, how much I sweat, how long I'm there. The win is just getting off my butt and going. Today, now in a month from now, maybe that's not the win anymore because we're moving the needle up. And I know the next thing I probably need to do is like pay attention to my calories and what I'm eating. And maybe then a couple months later, the next thing I do is amp up my workout. This is the progress that we're talking about. And when we when we say uh, the joys in the journey, this is the journey. 
And there is joy there when you see that there's progress, you're moving forward, but it doesn't all have to be in one night and it doesn't have to even be an all in one year. Some things take time, but you will find joy. You will find success. You will feel the win of progress when you can identify what you're working on, what you're working for, and how you're making those steps every day. It's really about a mindset. It's about an observation. It's about opening that toolbox and saying, here are these tools that are going to help me create a life I love. And when I pull them out and I work on them, I'm going to say, yay, I'm working on it. It's happening. And when I put those tools back in the toolbox, I can close the lid with a level of satisfaction that said the project's not done yet. The project may not be done, but I'm going to celebrate that I pulled the tools out and we made a little bit more progress on the project today. So there you have it, friends. A couple of tools for you to put in your toolbox and get to work on living and creating a life you love. It really is creation. It's really crafting. It's really doing the work. It doesn't happen by accident, but I can promise you that if you show up every day with the idea that I am going to make today be one more day in the books that moves me to the life I love or is the life I love, I'm going to live it out today. I'm going to move the needle a little bit more you're going to win. It's going to work. It's when we choose to just let the days pass without intention, without focus, without purpose, that we wake up middle-aged and go, holy moly, I have missed out on life. Or we may find ourselves even farther down the path and say, man, what did I do with myself? What did I do with my life? So if you're looking for more purpose, if you're wanting life to be more than just clock in, clock out, earn your paycheck, retire, wait for the end, then this is where we start. We start by having somewhat of a tough conversation with ourselves. What is it that you want? How are you feeling about those areas? What needs to improve? And then what can you do today, even the smallest of steps, to move you closer into what you really want for those areas of your life? And to understand and to, and to wrap your mind around the fact that it is all yours for the waiting. All you got to do is show up for it. So... How are you doing that today? I would love to hear your thoughts on this podcast. I would love to know what your categories are, which ones you're working on, and maybe even some of the goals that you're going to set and work on to help move that needle up a little bit, move that up the scale. So if you want to share those with me, you can head on over to christybrowning.com and there is a page devoted to the podcast. You'll find it listed under christybrowning.com slash podcast uh, and you can find it in the menu of our homepage. When you're there, there's a space to leave a comment. And I would love if you would head over there and leave some of your comments. Tell me what you're thinking. Tell me what you're working on. And more importantly, if you have questions, because we want to make sure that we give you all the answers you need to start making progress on this, to start really crafting and creating the life you love. In the meantime, would you do me a ginormous favor? Would you please tell people about the podcast? Take a screenshot of you listening to this episode and share it with a friend or just pop on your social media and say, hey, I'm checking out this podcast. You should too. You can find the Live Revised podcast on all major podcast platforms as well as on our website at christybrowning.com slash podcast. I would really appreciate it if you would help us get the word out because the more people that listen, the more people whose lives are encouraged, empowered, and inspired to live purpose-filled, to live passion-filled. And man, 
Couldn't we live with more of that? Thanks for joining me today. We'll be back next week for another episode where we're going to be talking a little bit about breathing and having some space to breathe. Can't wait to talk to you then. For now, enjoy this life that you're living and do your part to create the life you love. Thank you.